Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Sebastian Show. This week, we're talking with Fried Mosini, a dear friend of mine and business partner. His journey from Azerbaijan to the United States, his religion, his character, the person he is. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this episode. Check it out. Let us know what you think. Well, let's, uh, I'm so excited to have you on. We got a lot I want to, I want to get through with you, but, um, I want to start with your, your background because I, one of my favorite things about you, I've always said this, but it's like, I wish we had an exchange program in the United States where we, we like would bring the best and brightest from other countries and allow those who maybe don't have a very healthy perspective, the United States to go see other cultures and countries. Um, and you didn't grow up here, although if without, you know, it would be easy if anybody talked to you think you did you're American yeah. through and through. And I, I love that about you because I think yeah. my thought is being American has less to do with where you were born and more about your mentality and your pride in your country and the values you live by. And so, yeah. uh, but you grew up in Azerbaijan, which I think a lot of yeah. people probably don't even know where that is on the map. So you want to, you want to tell us where that is yeah. in the world? Yeah. It, Baku, Azerbaijan was where I was born. And, um, you know, I grew up there until 10 years old which is a former Soviet Union country, so um, very different to U.S., right? It's, <laughs> it's not a capitalistic country. It's, uh, it's more of the, one of those Eastern European corrupt countries where, um, it, I mean, the system is very different, right? It's, you just have to experience it for yourself um, in order to know what, what it's really like. Um, but, you know, I grew up in a, still in a very loving home, middle class, you know, um, unity and honor and respect was mm. one of some of the values that I was, you know, raised by because my family is really big into that. And uh, more of the, the Middle Eastern and, you know, that side of the uh, world there, it's a very family-oriented place. I mean, uh, shoot, if I was still living in there and let's say not married, I'd probably be living with my mom and dad right? <laughs> because that's how it is. Like, hey, you only leave after you get married, not 18. <laughs> While the American idea is, uh, once you're 18, feel free, to, feel free to go explore. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's a very different idea, but uh, we are we are more family oriented culture, and uh, family is very big for us, right? Uh, and I was raised by a single mother um, who's uh, tough as nails, right? So uh, worked multiple jobs to support me and my sister. Um, my dad walked out on us pretty early, um, <clears throat> and yeah, my mother just. You know, uh, could have taken it as a defeat, but instead just, you know, uh, literally put the whole family on her back and um, you know, subconsciously just taught me what it means to be tough, right? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that, that was my upbringing. And then at the age of 10, you know, she brought us to Dubai. Um, and Dubai was, back then, you know, nobody knew what Dubai was, right? But still probably a... a Hell of a gear change from Azerbaijan, yeah, Baku, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very different. I mean, Dubai is, you know, one of the nice, nicest places in the world, right? It's uh, oasis in the middle of the desert. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's like if you look at it, right? If you look at there's some, um, you know, videos that shows Dubai from like 1980s, and every yeah. year there's like a little picture, one of those uh, Instagram reels. I'm excited to go there yeah. with you at some point. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is unreal, and it's uh, you know. Um, she brought us in there and, you know, she really just raised us up by herself. So, uh, and then my single mom raising two kids. Yeah. And then my stepdad came in the picture, um, you know, 
shortly thereafter and uh, German military guy, right? Um, and he's really my, my father, my dad. Like, I look at, look at him as that and uh, taught me a lot of values, right? Discipline, <clears throat> time management, um, hard work, a lot of, a lot of the things that, you know, most people, when they say German, it just comes to your mind, right? That's him. <laughs> eins fine, eins fine. Literally him, yeah. <laughs> and that's, uh, so that, that was my family. That was my upbringing. And, um, you know, at the age of 20, uh, that's when I moved to U.S. by myself. What, what made you decide, I want to move to the U.S.? Yeah, that's a, you know, I, I didn't, I wasn't even, so a year prior I moved, uh, my mom and dad actually came and visited California and they drove, you know, from California all the way up to Oregon and they, you know, visited all the spots. But one of the places that they visited was this Bible school in Marietta, Temecula. And, you know, it, it's, it's uh, literally hot springs. It's a Bible school, Bible school that was built around the hot springs. They actually just sold it to a resort. Now it's a full-blown resort, but she can't, you know, she came, she visited that. She's like, hey, have a look at this. And right about that time was the first time when I came to um, know the Christian faith. Right? I was going to ask you, were you raised? Because correct me if I'm wrong, but Azerbaijan <clears throat> is predominantly Muslim, yes? Right, yeah. Yeah, I was born into a Muslim family, right? Um, but my family, I, I think it started with my grandmother who first, you know, witnessed some sort of a miracle, like, if I'm not mistaken. And then she, you know, came to the Christian faith. And then little by little, you know, we have a pretty big family from my <laughs> grandmother's side. Everyone one by one. And I was probably one of the last ones that actually... Grandma on your mom's side? Grandma on my mom's okay. side, yeah. Um, and then after that, you know, I was... I started going to church, you know, with my mom and dad. In Dubai? In Dubai. Uh, there's a few churches in Dubai, too. Um I don't, I mean, I, I knew conceptually, right, the story of the Bible and what it says. Were you a devout Muslim, though? I was never a devout Muslim, yeah. no. I, was, I would say I was born Muslim. I right. my name Muslim. Which is like the same, like in America, a lot of people are born Christian, but it's yeah, kind of the same Catholic thing. It's like, Christian, yeah. right, yeah. Did you read the um, Quran? I've read the Quran as a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> Later on down the road. Right? <laughs> and not the whole Quran, so I don't want to, uh, you know, claim that I uh, yeah. read it front and back so it's an interesting book yeah yeah it is <laughs> it is yeah so um at the age of 20 was when i you know came to the christian faith where it was actually what seemed as a concept to me became a reality yeah right so um and and really a lot of my nature just started changing you know what i what i wanted to do. i was in real estate i was doing really good in real estate i was a property consultant and um, and crushing it in Dubai, yeah, I was especially for really a young well. man. Yeah, yeah, I was crushing it, and I had terrible money habits. And my <laughs> mother still has my bank account statements, <laughs> and she shows it to me because you know, like fifty thousand dollars came in, fifty thousand dollars went out, <laughs> you know, sixty thousand dollars came in. When I, so I, I did really well, but I also spent it all really fast, uh, just you know, just as fast, and that taught me something too. Um, but then, right about you know, two thousand and eight, market crashed. Oh yeah, um, we had an insane oversupply of property in there, um, very little demand. So, and not just that, and you know, I could have stayed and probably worked on it and figured it out, um, but uh, that was right about the time where I came to the Christian faith, and 
So you were, I needed. You, you were going to church in Dubai, and then right. your your parents come to the United States to vacation. Yeah, yeah. Later, she just came for a month just to vacation here and, and visited did, Vegas, visited New York, and came to California and did a little road trip. And did they intentionally introduce this Bible school? Did your mom ever go? Yeah, this was on on purpose, or was no, it no, just, no? It, it was, was just it was just sheer sheer coincidence. She met you know some of the pastors from the from the church Calvary Chapel. And, yep. Um, and I don't know when when they heard that. Hey, I was interested in coming. You know, some Middle Eastern guy from Dubai wants to come. I don't know. Maybe they had an agenda. Let's come. <laughs> let's raise this child in the way of the Lord and send them back there to right. open up a church or something. Maybe that You're was like, the case. I'm going to stay here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's okay. Well, I, for the longest time, I thought I was going to go back. Right? I, oh, you did. Um, no, no, no. I didn't. No, no. No, I you thought you were going to though. Yeah, Your intent I, was just I, to come here for a season. Yeah, I just wanted to come in, and I was actually getting serious about my faith, and mm-hmm. I wanted to learn the Bible. Like it was not, uh, you know, just go to college and waste time for me, right? So it was. Uh, I want to learn my faith. I want to get a chance to know the truth. Why did that happen? What were the conditions that led to you to suddenly go, hey, I think I want to get serious about my faith. I want to get serious about really understanding the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> right about right before that, in real estate, um, I went to jail for three days <laughs> for something I didn't do. Right. Right. Goodbye. Uh, and I mean, I can tell you, I'll tell you the story, but it seems like something right out of the movies, right? Um, one day I just get a call. I'm on the way to the office, real estate. Like, hey, um, this is the CID. Uh, CID is kind of like our equivalent of FBI, right? Um, we, we need to talk to you. All right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm 20 years old. I mean, at this time, I'm a cocky 20-year-old. Dude, oh, yeah. Right? Uh, I'm in the gym like six days a week. <laughs> right? It's funny just, hearing because I know I never knew you in this yeah, space. Yeah. Like it's it's hard for me to get my head around this person. Yeah, because you're just not this. Yeah, yeah. So, that's, so I'm this you know cocky twenty year old gym rat that does well in, in, <laughs> in real estate, um, and parties every weekend. Um, hey, we are, we want to talk to you. Oh, all right, cool. Let's do it. <laughs> Where are you? I'm we're at your house. All right, cool. I'm coming we're back. At your <laughs> house. Yeah. yeah. So I come back. On the way back, you know, I'm, I'm old. I have all these thoughts. I'm like, what did I do? You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, yeah. You know, it's like, did I hit somebody? Was I in an accident? Do I not remember. I don't know. I'm, all these thoughts that are going through my mind. Anyway, I get home, and right away they just put me on handcuffs. And you I, walk in the door and immediately are cuffed. Well, I don't even get a chance to walk in the door. They were outside my house. I park my car. They put me in handcuffs. Um, oh my two god. Phones. Take one of them. They don't realize I have another one in my pocket. <laughs> so, so they're like, hey, um, I'm like, hey, all right. Well, what did I do? <laughs> right? This is all dandy Dif- and all. Different, uh, <laughs> right. different country. And I don't think they even told me on the first day what we did. And you don't get read like Miranda writes, like you're under no, no, arrest. No, no. And it's like, no. no, it's just. No, the system is more, hey, um, you're guilty. We think you're guilty until proven innocent. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Which is a very different system. And, and they literally call you at your house and right. say, hey, could you just come on yeah. over here? We need to talk, well, to, you. talk to you. And you're like, sure. Very you show up and nothing is said. You're just arrested. Right. Oh, yeah. my God. So <sighs> um, anyway, this just wrecks a little. You know, my family's. You know, Mom is place. freaking so out, of course. Out. I was like, hey, what, what did he do? You know. <laughs> How did you respond to this? Um, you know. Did you look off to them? In a comical way, I was kind of like. Laughing it off. Because you knew you didn't do anything. Because I'm like, I didn't do anything. Right. 
But at the same time, I wasn't taking it that seriously too, right? Because again, I, I, maybe I just didn't realize the gravity of the situation. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on the second day though, so wait, let me retract. So the first day they, they arrest me and then they, take, they drive me to my office building. And they're like, we know you have a partner, which is one of my best friends in Dubai. He's like, we want you to set up some sort of a call to meet up with him so we can arrest him too. <laughs> oh my God. And I'm like, what is what happening? <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, this is a comical, right? I wish I was making this up. Um, I'm like, and you know, I have my other phone in my pocket. I'm in the back seat. I was texting. I was like, hey, bro, we're leave the country. The office. <laughs> we're on the way to the office to come and arrest you too. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he doesn't, he first thought I was joking, was like, I'm actually serious. <laughs> <laughs> so we come there, anyway, um, I, I, you know, he, he left, obviously, because I told him, but they, I was like, look, if you want to arrest this guy, just call him too. He'll probably come to the police station. We didn't do anything, right? So they call him, they're like, can you come to the police station? He goes there. Mm. We're both arrested. We're separated. And then we are interrogated for hours, right? What did you do in this day? Where were you? Blah, blah, blah. By the second day, I was, I was talking to one of the guys who seems like one of the higher ranking, ranking police officers. I'm like, hey, just out of curiosity. I was like, what did I do? Because, you know, I'm like taking from one police station to another to now what seems to be the crime site, but I was downstairs of a building and this woman. Did you recognize the building? Were you like, oh, I've been in this building? Or oh, yeah, you- yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, um, common complex a lot of people bought and sold there and <clears throat> you're like yeah um we think you killed this person two days later yeah. oh yeah by the way I, <laughs> we think you murdered someone so, <laughs> yeah so the first thing i'm thinking about is shoot, how am i gonna prove that i didn't <laughs> right <laughs> anyway so um luckily by the third day or fourth day something happened to where they found some stuff evidence of the real guy right whoever did it they caught the real guy, I think. I don't know the backstory. They didn't tell us anything, right? And, you know, by, I think the fourth day, they let me go. They're like, here you go. Get out of here. They kept my passport for a few months to make sure I don't leave the country, just in case, right? I just, and, <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're just going to hold you for four days. Oh, by the way, yeah you're, yeah, you're good to go. And this was some, this was like part of some larger, you know, I mean, real estate mogul that was dating this girl and killed her. I don't know what happened in the background, right? But I got caught in the crossfire. But coming out of that, to answer your question, um, you know, coming into that, I was the party guy, right? Just jam, make money, uh, have fun. That was yep. that was my life motto. Uh, coming out of that, it kind of sobered me up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, right? I would like, imagine. What, what, what would have happened, right, if I just stayed there and um, so that, that made me start questioning some of the more, you know, deeper questions in life, right? What am I all about? What do I stand for? What do I want to do with my life? And, uh, right about that time is where, um, you know, as I was searching for the truth, uh, you know, in, in my own, um, I was like one day hanging out in my own bedroom and literally heard the audible, mm. you know, voice of God. And it was very loving. You know, I was like, Hey son come back on the road, come back on the path. <clears throat> Where you, the path you're on right now, it leads to destruction, you know that. It was, it was more of a loving warning, and that's when you know, things just start changing for me. Passions changed, desires changed, um, you know, my identity changed. And after that, the, 
you know, I thought, you know what, I'm going to step back from business for a bit. I'm going to get involved in the church. Did you have any money saved? Uh, no. Say <laughs> <laughs> it. I had a couple of cars, <laughs> right? <laughs> really nice clothes, <laughs> right? All the expensive, shiny <clears throat> things. But um, no, by that time, I pretty much wasted it all. Yep. And yeah, I, I came, uh, you know, I stepped away and I'm like, hey, you know what? I, I think I'm going to try to get involved. Because now, now I know I have faith, but I don't really know the truth. I don't, I've never read the Bible. Yeah. Um, I've listened to sermons, you know, by, being going, by going to church with my parents, but... I don't really know what it's all about. So now I'm serious about this and I want to know what do I, what do I know? What is the truth? So, um, you know, I get involved in the church. I get moved into youth ministry and very quickly I'm almost put on a path to become like a, a youth pastor slash pastor. <clears throat> and I'm okay with this. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I can, I can, I can see myself in church. And afterwards, a year later, was when my parents came out here and talk of Bible school came about. And I was like, you know what? I'm, yeah, let's do it. But ironically, I didn't have any, you know, any money anymore left. And you know, the, the pastors and the church movement in here called Calvary Chapel, they heard about me possibly wanting to come out there. And they sent me an email. It's like, hey, come on in here. We'll sponsor the whole thing almost like a scholarship. And I was like, all right, well, that made my decision easier. Let's go. And I was considering a couple of different places. So I was considering Southern California, and there's another school in Chicago called D.L. Moody. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll go there. So but then, you know, when you, when you talk to the Americans in Dubai, they're like, pick Southern California. <laughs> you won't regret it. So I came out <laughs> here, and <clears throat> I thought I'll, I'll study it and go back and uh, make ministry almost like my life's work, right? And... Things changed, you know, right about the time my second semester I started dating my wife, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. my now wife. And um, yeah, just after that, I was like, you know what, let's just stay here. Decided <laughs> so to stay in the States. Yeah. <clears throat> and I thought I would maybe get into ministry here, but it seems like I was getting drawn back into business. Right. So that's. Um, yeah. Where did you get your degree in? I got my associates mm-hmm. in uh, theological studies. Yeah. Uh, I, we talked about this before, but I also had my degree in biblical studies. Yeah, um, yeah. so fun. Good, good. It, uh, it's a good degree to have. Yeah, it's it gives good. you a good foundation, understanding of the Christian faith and the Bible for sure, uh, which is good. And Calvary is is probably one of the best because they are so verse by verse, verse by verse. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very Berean like. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. <clears throat> so yeah. you meet your wife, and who's American? Yeah. Uh, Southern California, blonde, ra- blonde. You know, born yeah. and raised. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she's my sweetheart. Uh, and then you, and, and I love you said, like, I thought I was going to get into Christian ministry and then you decided, no, I, I feel drawn to business. And I love this. And that's where you and I met because I, my thought is, although I think having places of, of faith and of worship are important and having places where people can go, I think we live in an age where you're more potent going to the people where they're at, oh, yeah. living your truth with um, an audience, right? right? Instead of trying to bring them to a building, it's like you're living your truth. And one of the things that I've always really admired and loved about you is you are not a religious person. Right. You are God-fearing. Your, right. your faith and your family are clearly very important to you, but you're not religious. Right. I've never known you to be a judgmental person. Yeah. Uh, and you are able to speak interfaith, right? You speak to Muslims, you speak to Jews, you, you, right. you see the whole picture. Right. 
in a very non-judgmental way. Have you always been that way? Is, is that a result of how you grew up? Like, cause you gotta have a, you have a very yeah. kind of mixed experience, right? You grew up yeah. in a predominantly Muslim area of the world. Yeah. And all my friends were Muslim, right? And you get a chance to, you know, hear their side of the story too. And, um, and there are people too. And yeah, I just, they, you know, on, in their quest to find the truth, they landed somewhere else, right? So yeah. I can't, uh, I can't judge them. I love debating religion. I love yeah. talking about it. I can, you know, explain why I believe what I believe and maybe in some cases uh, explain why I believe what he believe, he or she believes might not be right. Um, but no, I, yeah, I, you're right. I, not necessarily judgmental, you know, and, and I think in a quest nowadays to not be religious, a lot of people have given up religious habits too. Yeah. Um, because they want to be more spiritual. Right. right. But you know, I, I still have religious habits, right? Such as uh, reading, prayer, meditation, right? Uh, these are all religious habits. and That are important to you and part of your life. Right? Yeah. And I think, uh, I think those are so important. And most people, because they don't want to be religious, they give up their religious habits too. Yeah. It's like, no, give up the being, the idea of being religious, but, you don't have to give up like reading of the God, God's word, right? There's yeah. so much in there that you can learn. I mean, it's not just a book about, uh, you know, spiritual things, but there's things about business. It's very practical, money, practical knowledge. You know, yeah, how to, practical how wisdom. to be a, a good husband, how to treat your family, how to raise your kids, right? So there's just so much in there. And, um, and I think a lot of people miss out on that. So uh, even now when in the world of business, when, you know, I coach a lot of people and sometimes when they come up to me and they say, I want to read a book. What do you suggest? <clears throat> and I know I'm not talking to a Christian person. I'm like, hey, go read the Bible. It's actually a really good business book too. Yep. It'll draw a lot out of it. Yep. Um, and people think I'm being, you know, I'm, I'm just joking around. I'm like, no, I'm actually being serious. It's one of the best business books you'll ever read. Right? Yep. Well, most of the self-help movement, and a lot of people don't know this, was built in biblical principles. Oh, yeah. It's like if you've yeah. read the Bible and then you you listen to a lot of what's taught in the self-help movement, right. it's like this is in the Bible. This is All in the, the Bible. Principles this is come. Most of them come from Proverbs, right? Right. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then, yeah, it's just like, you know, that's when we met business time. Right. And I was naturally good, uh, in few areas. Right. Um, I was taught in sales. I, I cut my teeth in sales and real estate. Um, I loved the idea of commission because commission was the first thing I was introduced to. I was never introduced to hourly. I was never introduced to salary, the concept of that, right? Um, what I knew back then is, hey, if I wanted to buy a second car, if I wanted to, you know, get this bottle service in the club, right? What's so up? <laughs> Let's just make a sale this week so we can do it next week, right? <laughs> I was, I was, um, you know, uh, I was, I was already learning that way, right? You were connecting performance to what you wanted. Exactly. Right. It's exactly. like if so, I want something, I go get it. Exactly. It's not not oh and I need to work eighty hours just to yeah. right. It was just well, let's put in two hours of work in here and let's let's sell this apartment, let's sell let's sell this villa and let's make the commission and go do whatever we want to do. Right. So uh the idea of business naturally sat well with me, right? Being well, are your parents entrepreneurs? <clears throat> Did, were you, where did you get the entrepreneurial spirit and why did you decide yeah. to get into commercial real estate? Like what's the foundation um, of that? Probably the first business owner in my family, right? Um, my mother was working in real estate and um, she was more of the, in the office management, administrative, um, and she, she wasn't, she didn't own the company, but 
she was the first one in real estate. I went into it with, hey, let me get into sales, right? Um, and the first month that I was in, the, in it, I remember just getting hammered, right? I was just thrown to the sharks. There's no training, right? None of this five-day training checklist, right? It's just go figure it out, right? Here's a property, go sell it. And oh, <laughs> yeah. that all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but I was lucky enough, you know, uh, again, my best friend in Dubai, that's how we met. You know, once we met, he's like, hey, come on, let me teach you everything. Uh, you know, what's a sales contract? Well, this is something that you sign when you sell a house. <laughs> you know, okay. <laughs> Do you have a sample one? <laughs> Can I use yours? Just Thank change you. the name and the property address, right? Uh, anyway, so uh, I learned a lot of the sales um, uh, sales side from him too. And uh, But I, I love the idea, right? It's, uh, I love the idea of not being behind the desk, just going out and about, like t- interacting with people. Uh, and not just that, real estate taught you more sophisticated sales skills, right? Because yep. you're talking to people that are a lot more than worth. you. Yeah. They can be emotionally manipulated, yep. um, right? They, they actually have to trust you. If they're going to spend a couple of million dollars with you, they have to trust you. Um, and a lot of the skill sets that I you know, learned in my early 20s, I started learning it, you know, putting it into use when I moved, moved in here. Um, although in our business, you know, it's, it's very different sales, right? It's, it's uh, cupcake sales, we call them. Yep. Um, it's done in under 10 minutes, but uh, the concept is still the same, right? Get good at sales, get good at talking to people, get good at communication. High value skill set. Yeah, get good at the negotiation skills and you, know, you can, the doors in business really open up, right? Did you, you, you played soccer growing up, right? So you played sports. Did you have like any aspirations as far as a profession or were you kind of like just taking it day by day? Or did you kind of, did you have yeah. a way you thought you saw your life going? Yeah. You know, soccer is big everywhere in the world except here. Right. Unfortunately. You know. And that was my second favorite sport. And that was my problem. I was like, I'm in the wrong country for soccer. Right. right. It's getting better though. Yeah. And it's still not like the rest of the world. And in Dubai, you know, I used to play it. I played uh, in high school and I did uh, three semesters in a, you know, junior college here and I played in there too. But in Dubai, you know that, hey, I don't have what it takes get to, to the make next it level. to the European yeah. leagues, right? It's just uh, there, are, there are kids that, you know, are basically born with a soccer ball. <laughs> <laughs> and they play it from the age of two. I picked it up when I was more uh, in my early teens. And I was not good enough to even think of, hey, yeah, that's the route I want to take. Uh, but I enjoyed it and I played it and I was very competitive at it. Um, and it did teach me a lot, right? Uh, even, even I think organized sports has a way of teaching somebody, whether it's pro yeah. or just high school. <clears throat> I think it has um, a way of teaching concepts and principles that you can really learn the rest of your life. I, I started as a bench warmer. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a, a, a second string right back. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was someone better than me, way better than me. Um, but in a span of a year, you know, those roles changed. I was the better right back. So now I took on every single game. So, um, you know, just, just the idea of you want to play, well, you got to pay first, right? So those are all concepts you inherently understood. And, right. and you and I have been business partners for almost 10 years now, which is wild to think about. I think it has been 10 years. Yeah. Um, and I, it's easy for me to see how these things translated, yeah. right? And just the person that you are. Um, when you kind of look at, the United States. I love how incredibly patriotic you are. I love how much you love our country and 
I was so pumped when you uh, were able to get your citizenship and, yeah. and get involved in politics now. And you just have such a love for this country. In some ways, it's easy. I don't want to put words in your mouth. It's in some ways I could infer why that would be coming from a different culture and seeing something different. Yeah. But in your own words, and I think we both agree the U.S. is far from perfect, and we got a lot of work we need yeah. to do here to to improve the country's morale and culture and values. But what is it that you love about the United States that maybe yeah. somebody who grew up <clears throat> here doesn't get or wouldn't understand because they don't have enough world experience to right. see that there's something different? If I was to put it in one word, it would be freedom. Right. Um, for most natural born Americans, when you they say when you say the word freedom to them, it doesn't really mean much because you don't have anything to compare it to. Right. Right. Um, the fact that you can, you know, I mean, look, the fact that you can go on social media right now, and whether you like him or not, you just start bashing the current president. You say all kinds of you know really mean things, and. The fact that you have the freedom to do to that. To share your opinion. Right. Yeah. People don't understand how valuable that is, right? For better or for worse, but yes. Yeah. Pick any other country in the world. Go do that any in any other place in the world. See how well it works out for you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now, now we are, because of social media, we are starting to see these things um, a lot more clearly where, hey, a guy in Australia said something about the prime minister. He instantly gets arrested posted something on Facebook, gets arrested, right? Well, that's common in most other places in the world. I love Dubai, um, but Dubai is not a free country, right? And, and look, it's got really good rulers, and um, I think the sheikhs have done a great job in there in how they developed the country. But if I was to ever live in there and say something negative and post it on social media, good luck. Right. right, you're going to get a phone call. Hey, we're at your house. <laughs> yeah, we want to talk to you. <laughs> like, oh, what did I do? Yeah, exactly. Well, at that point, I'll know what I've done. <laughs> it's oh. very clear, right? Um, yeah, so it's it's just, um, you know, the freedom. I mean, we, we see this also, right? You can take a, a Bible, go in the middle of the street, post it on um, you know, social media, you're burning it, you're burning the American flag. Go do that in another country, see how well that works out for you, right? I don't think people understand what freedom actually means yeah um and and um, you know hopefully we still have that 50 years from now <laughs> we got work to do yeah but in, in something you, you brought up somewhat casually and i love how you tell that story it's a hilarious story just knowing you like right uh, um in dubai you are guilty until proven innocent and in dubai i would say and again i'm somewhat ignorant. I don't know the middle. I've never lived in the Middle East. So this might come from an ignorant place, but my understanding is Dubai is probably the, like the most beautiful place in the Middle East or the most right. free Westernized part of, um, right. of the Middle East. Right. So it's like, you probably have more freedom there than probably anywhere else, yeah. but still yeah. you get a phone call. We're at your house. Yeah. You don't get told anything. Right. You don't get told even why you were arrested. You right. get arrested and you're in jail for four days. I'm like, Oh yeah, you're free to go. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like, yeah. We There's due process <laughs> yeah. in the United States, right? You're innocent until proven guilty. I'm not saying some of those things couldn't translate. Like some people will be like, well, some of that happens here. Yeah, but from a completely different context, right? right? It's like you weren't even told why you were arrested. Right. And yeah. you're relying on someone else to prove your innocence. Yeah. And if they hadn't have found this guy, you easily could have been in jail Still. as an innocent person to, to this day, right. right? And there's nothing you could have done about it. That, that to me is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, it's insane. Um, and, and again, you know, until 
you go, I, I think it would be really beneficial for a lot of the natural born Americans to actually go visit 100% all travel. these different parts of the world. And I think it yep. really opens up your eyes. Like, oh, um, I can't do this here. Okay. All right. <laughs> now you start to really appreciate a lot of the things that this country offers, right? So, uh, and uh, unless you start traveling, you just don't know these things. You've become um, a really great speaker. It's, it's fun to see you develop as a speaker over the last 10 years. And you can see how your faith has really shaped your message in such a beautiful way. But you teach really sound business principles and you live them. And I've seen you now, um, you know, when I met you, you were already married, but I've, I've seen you be an amazing husband. You're now an amazing father. You're a, an amazing business partner. You're doing really well in business. You've got a great team around you. How? What do you think has when you kind of look at these things, what has had the biggest impact on shaping the person you are now? I think we've talked about this a little bit, but I want you to put yeah. it in your words. Yeah. Um, I, you know, a lot of it, a lot of it definitely does come from faith, right? A lot of it does come from uh, family, uh, family values that I was raised by. Uh, again, I didn't want to, I don't want to just be a good business guy, right? Uh, I don't want to just win in business. Family is very important to me. I was raised this way. Um, and I, and I think Bible teaches the same thing, right? So, um, when I think of winning, I, I think it's important to understand that winning doesn't have to be just in one thing. Right. It's you not a sucker's choice. At, yeah, you have to look at, can I win in business and with my finances and with my relationship and with my body? And now it's, you know, can I be a good dad too on top of that, right? Um, there's just so many different areas and uh, I, I don't think I'm winning in every area, um, but I'm aware of all the areas that I need to be winning in. What advice would you give to somebody who's an entrepreneur, a father, a husband to, to do a good job? Because I think you do a good job, right? What advice could you give people uh, to help them get better at that? Because there's a lot of people hearing that like, man, that's a lot to handle and I don't feel like I'm doing very well. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I just, I'll, I'll share this. This is funny. Um, I just became a dad six months ago. To a and beautiful baby girl. Yeah. Just, she's, she's, it's just the apple <laughs> of my eyes right yeah, now. Yeah, wrecked. <laughs> I mean, from the minute she came into the world, it's insane, right? It's like, how can someone that I just met, like, own me, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but one of the things that happened, you know, I, I got into a little bit of a bad shape. I put on some weight. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, it's normal, dad bod. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody knows this. But then I started thinking about this. I was like, why? Why do people, you know, uh, people gain weight and then they say dad bod? When you think of it, what we are saying is, I have a kid, and because I have a kid, so you're already kind of blaming the kid <laughs> for you getting out of shape, right? Um, and I think people do the same thing in business, right? Um, well, I have a family. Because I have a family, I'm, I'm not going to give my all in here. Mm. Work-life balance. Similar excuse, right? You always blame the other person as to why you can't get it done here or the other whatever you want to blame, right? Um, and I think it shouldn't be that way, right? So to me, I was like, no, you know what? In the last month, just got all serious again. I've been going to the gym nonstop. Right? And I could tell, I would tell yeah. as soon as you came in, I was like, yeah, you've toned down a ton, which is such yeah. a great example. You, it, you know, taking care of your body, I think is important as men and women, right. but to be in my opinion, we have a responsibility to show up for our wives right. and to be something they're proud of physically and, and enjoy looking at, right. to be physically healthy so that we can continue to provide for our families, for our wife and yeah. for our child. And yeah. 
So I love this. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, you know what? This dad bod's not going to work on me. It's, it, yeah, I, I, I need to have a body that, you know, will last towards her wedding. And I want to be able to dance with her on her wedding day. So I love it. Um, yeah. So to me, it's you know, don't use it as an excuse. Use it as an inspiration as to win, right? If you're in business and you have a family, use it as an inspiration to win in business, yes. not as an excuse as to why you can't mm. win in business. Uh, I think a Beautiful. lot of people, uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, go the route of, I'm in business, so I can't give my hundred ten percent in here because work-life balance. I still need to be there for my family, and I get it. You know, being an entrepreneur and being a family man is extra tough. It's it would be a lot easier to just come at nine, check out at five, and you have nothing else to do, <laughs> right? Doesn't work that way. What, what, what you and I have done a lot of things together uh, from working out, doing hit, and different um, um, kind of different diets. I know you you've done carnivore, yep. keto, yep. intermittent fasting. What are you doing now? As you've trimmed down yep. a ton since I saw you not even a month ago. So what are you doing yeah. to to take care of yourself physically? So so it all depends on what I'm trying to accomplish, right? Uh, I have a few different methods that I that I can go to. If I'm just trying to maintain a healthy weight, uh, I'm happy with my weight and I want to maintain it, I'll generally go the route of paleo and whole 30. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's good to have a little bit of everything. It's good to have some carbs. Yep. Carbs are not an enemy. Yep. It's good to have good fats. It's good, it's good to have good protein. Um, if I am looking to lose weight fast, then what I will do is I'll uh, OMAD one meal a day. Mm-hmm. I'll fast until about 8 p.m. And then I'll have, you know, few steaks at a time <laughs> and he's not joking yeah the man can eat i'll try to i'll try to pack about 200 grams of protein right that's that's my primary goal and no carbs and mm-hmm. very little fat and i think that makes you lose weight fast while maintaining muscle mass right so uh that's what i did in the last month uh, in the last yeah um and i you, know, you trim down really fast but obviously that's not sustainable right so it's, it's all depends on the goal. Like once you reach the goal, um, the weight goal that you have, I think it's important to start reanalyzing. We should probably reintroduce some of the things again. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Um, intermittent fasting is a big part of my, just functionally, it's nice to not have to eat all day, yeah, right? especially when you're working. Yeah, it's got a lot of benefits too, right? So uh, past 16 hours, I think your body starts healing itself, the, yep. the broken cells and um, I think of course, it's autophagy. It, yep. And if you're eating steak, only grass-fed, grass-finished. Right. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, don't get it from Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. When you kind of look ahead, uh, what are you excited about over the next five years? What's, what's your focus on? Yeah, I. Um, you know, I, I think, I, I think we are in for a, a tough 2024. Um, Probably a wild one to be sure. Yeah. Election year. Right, and I think um, what what gets me excited is you know a couple of things personally i'm excited to get even tougher even stronger because i think um if you are that caliber person you won't just survive but you'll start thriving during the times of uncertainty right um but not just that i think in the last couple of years a few things that have happened that softened people up right hey stay home here's 1400 dollars check just to stay home and do nothing and that programmed people in a way where they don't understand it yet. Yep. I don't think they fully understand. And I think next year that's going to get corrected. Yep. Where unless you're the real deal, you're going to get exposed. Yep. Right? Um, 
and I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm not hoping and praying for hard times for people, right? It's just, I think that's what's going to happen. Um, but also, if you are smart, now you're doing something about it, right? Hard times create strong people, though. Absolutely. Right? And Absolutely. you get it, and then they also expose those who aren't. And, I, and as harsh as that sounds on a micro level, on a macro level, that's good for society. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think, I think, you know, it, it's somewhat relative. Um, and, I get, and I get that, but we live in a, in a country that is an, very abundant and right. it's too easy to just survive. Right. Um, and I think we do need to recalibrate some things and I get why employees are frustrated working with companies that are, that only care about profit and don't care about their employees. And I get the stance about not wanting to be part of that thing. I have a hard time with is so then your answer is to sit and do nothing. Right. Right. Like yeah. go create the companies that you want to work for. Yeah. Go create the technology that you want to use. Become part of the solution, not just right. bitching about the problem. And right. that that I think is where there's some work to be done. Yeah. Or the other thing is just increase your own value so much that people can't be ignored. Are gushing to have you as part of their team. Yep. Right. Uh, there's a book that I read a while back. Um, I forgot the name. Indispensable or uh, something. Irreplaceable, maybe? Irreplaceable, irreplaceable. Um, and it was just, that's the whole concept. Of the, 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 the whole point of the book was become so valuable that you're not easily replaceable, Yep. right? If you're working in a company and if I fired you and it takes me one day to replace you, no sweat off my back, you are very easily replaceable. Yes. Uh, but if I have to fire you and I'm sweating about it, that should tell me that maybe this shouldn't happen. Right? Yes. You're not easily replaceable. So, uh, and I think that's a concept a lot of people they can learn and use it to their advantage. If you're in a company, beautiful. Be a be a someone that's so valuable that you're not easily replaced. I mean, and and not just that, other people are trying to bring you into their team, right? Yeah, whether you're an employee or a business, right? If you're a business and you have clients, yeah. make sure your business is bringing so much value that your clients would be terrified yeah. to have to go to trying to find that level of value somewhere else. Yeah. And I, that my, my message over and over again is always one of personal responsibility because that's the only thing you can control is you yeah. don't waste time trying to focus on things you can't control. So right. in the personal responsibility place, it's okay. How do I increase my skill sets to create such a value that would be crazy not to use me, yeah. right? It'd be, it'd be crazy not to employ me. It'd be crazy not to use my services. So yeah. I love that. And it's a message that seems to fall on deaf ears yeah. to a certain part of the population yeah. anyway. Yeah. And you, there's a big divide happening right now between the haves and have nots. Yeah. And a lot of this to me is a, is a mentality issue. It's, it's really seeing the world two different ways. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, <clears throat> uh, I know you have heard me say this, but we say this quite a bit from the front of the room. People will join our business for a reason, season or lifetime. And I always say this, but I always back it up with this sentence. I don't know who, I don't know what's the reason. I'm not a prophet. But my agenda is the same with every single person. I will develop you so much that even if you are with me for six months, I hope that I've increased your value in the marketplace. Yes. To where if you leave me, that's totally okay. I want to make sure that you have a better life because of me. Yes. Or because of my coaching. I don't want to be you know, self, self-centered self <laughs> that because of me. Um, I'm hoping that I've had a positive impact on, on your future. But if you decide to stay and become partners, great, let's work, right? Um, so it's, my agenda is the same. I'm going to keep on developing every single person. I don't know which one will end up becoming our future partners, but, um, the ones that don't, 
you know, it's nice to chat with them a year later and you hear their success stories and they're using the principles and they're saying things like, the things that I learned in your office, I still use it till this day. Yeah. Right? It's, all, it's almost like what I learned in the soccer field, I, I still use it to this day. Say, it's almost like our company becomes that, you know, basketball court, the soccer field. We've taught them principles where they can use. That are timeless, right? That like no matter what you're doing, you're going to continue to use them. And, right. and now you've developed clients. Uh, we have clients in our business. Now you work with Deloitte, right? right? Um, yeah. Accenture, yeah. some of the biggest boys, some of the biggest consultant firms. And you went out and in the midst of COVID and everything that was going on with the freaking lockdown, you're like, hey, I'm going to teach myself. You know, PPE was a wild one. Uh, but you, you, you got certified in Salesforce, right? Uh, and, and so now we have a whole new team of people that you're employing around the world that are creating Salesforce instances and what, what, there's app development. Yeah, uh, machine learning. Um, you know, AI is a, is a new one, right? I think it's going to help. Uh, I, I don't think people understand the, the effect that it's going to have in, in the business world, right? What internet did back in? Yeah. The internet is a great comp, but right. 10x that. Yeah, 10x that, right? Yeah, it's or maybe more. If you're not going to be using it, you're going to be at a great disadvantage. So uh, I think it's going to shape you know, the business world in a way that we don't even understand yet. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think there, you said two things and, and worth pointing out. It's if you're not using AI, you're going to get left behind. Right. But something you, we were talking about just a little bit earlier ago that's also important. If you're doing jobs that AI can do, right. you're probably in the wrong industry or you have the wrong position. And yeah. now is the time to be thinking about those pivots yeah. because it's going to get painful. Yeah. Right. If, if you're to back to value, it's like if we can have robotics or automation or AI do the work you're getting paid to do, right. you're not that valuable. As a, not as a human being, but as an em employee or bringing production to the world. So it's like, what are those things that only humans can do? Yeah. How I'm looking at it. It's like, how do we bring value to each other? And then how are you using AI? So what for, for somebody who's in that space, how do you look at that? What recommendation yeah. would you give them? So, um, and this is why I like sales, right? Sales has, you know, empathy in it. Sales has emotions attached. Social to it. intelligence. So emotional intelligence. Yep. And that's not stuff that can be recreated or programmed. Not yet anyway. Uh, yeah. yeah, not yeah. yet at least, right? Yeah. So uh, I think uh, I, that's why I, I really enjoy the space of sales because I think sales isn't, isn't going to get affected. Matter of fact, if anything, I think it's going to be in more demand, Yep. right? Because if, uh, if a robot can do your job with no emotions, no nothing... How much more value does it put on on the aspect where emotions are yes. needed? Yes. Where actual people are needed. That's gonna be far more valuable. So I think sales is gonna be even even better, um, uh, better space further down the road. Yeah, I, I think as an elastic skill set, I think you're right. I was just I was on a podcast uh, right before this, the guy who was in Dubai and we were talking about that, like human interaction is gonna be at a premium. Right. Because if yeah, like everything else is going to be automated. So you will pay for being able to talk to a real human. I think, I feel like I'm already experiencing this. If, I, if I'm calling a tech company or a bank, it's, it's like you go through an entire automated system before you ever talk to a human anymore. And I get why, but it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. I think companies are going to pay big premium to have that at hand, right? The human interaction. Uh, and as our world is moving more and more into uh, digital space, right? 
heck, now we have meta. It's a, <laughs> it's a world where we are not already in. It's just our avatars are in there. Uh, how much more will real physical interactions be worth? Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's gonna have a pretty big uh, impact in business space, and I think we're gonna we'll reap the benefits of it. We have a, a meeting we got to get into, so we're gonna wrap this one up. But I have a few questions for you. When are you getting your ranch and gonna start homesteading? <laughs> My goal is in the next five years. Uh, Jackson Hole is my dream location. Yep. Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I have not seen it. We do need to get to Jackson Hole and go yeah. snowboarding there. Yeah, Check yeah, it absolutely. out. This year for sure. Yep. We have to make it happen. Um, so my goal is next five years. Okay. I love it. If you could have a billboard in uh, downtown LA, because you can't put them in Orange County, but downtown LA, if you had a billboard, what would your billboard say? In downtown LA? Mm -hmm. Don't get the booster. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. You said downtown LA. I have to. <laughs> uh, I agree with you. The Bible still is is one of my favorite books uh, to this day, and, and one that um, I still go back to. But let's remove the Bible from con from this answer. If it wasn't the Bible, what book do you recommend more than any other? Um, the book that I I'm my personal favorite one, and I love it, and I try to read it pretty regularly is never split the difference mm. by Chris Voss. Yep. Um, I mean, hey, you've guy, really become a student of his work on another level. Guy, and if you just talk, if you just listen to his stuff, uh, the level of communication skill that guy teaches you is unreal. Yeah. Right. And just, I, I'm not even going to get into the details. Late night FM DJ voice. You have to right. just, it's your, just your money. With that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm mirroring the questions. Uh, you know, I was just listening to him say, um, when somebody comes and tells you something really negative, Hey, Sebastian, you know, I hate you. <laughs> he says, respond back like this. I'm sure you have a reason for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you did this and, and then you just opened up. Right. And I'm like, wow. What a genius way to dis disarm people. Disarm, okay? yeah. And anyway, so um, that guy has communication skills that I think are unmatched in today's day and age. I, I love that listening to that guy. I think he's, he's great. So probably my second favorite book right now it's, as it stands is, is Never that. Split the Difference. That's solid. It's a good choice. Three years old too, so it's not a new book. So Worth the read. Yeah. Uh, and the last question, what purchase have you made that was under $100 in the last six months that you were most happy about? Oh, that's a good question. Um, under a hundred dollars, I would. Um, to me, it would probably have to be some of the books that I've bought. Right. So, um, if it's under a hundred dollars, definitely <laughs> going to be books. Um, I one of my uh, favorite guys to listen to actually just uh, bought his book a month and a half ago now. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, I'm sure mm -hmm. you know him. Oh, yes. Uh, Prince of Preachers is yep. how he was referred to. Classic. And I just got his book. I think it was like 40 bucks. Uh, it's a compilation of all his teachings and sermons. He's long passed away, but I mean, you're saying it's a it's right. a compilation it's of all of his it's complete works. And I, I love listening to that guy. I think it's, um, I can see why he was called the Prince of Preachers. That was one of my dad's favorite yeah? preachers, Spurgeon. Really? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, I just bought his, uh, yeah, just six weeks ago. So. In the last six months, that was probably my favorite one. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to do this again, my friend, but it was great having yeah. you on. Thank you. The future is bright.